failed to record last week's just the way that it happened. Our last installment of Christology. And uh, but we're looking at pneumatology. Pneumatology is P N E U. Like pneumonia. All right. Um P-N-E-U-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y, the study of the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, okay? There is much confusion and error, which is true, in this day concerning the personality operations and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Conscientious, conscientious there we go, but misguided scholars have held wrong views concerning this doctrine. It is vital to the faith of every Christian that its scriptural teaching be seen in its true light and held in right proportion. Uh, I've heard that and seen even on social media that they're doing a doctrinal lessons on um, uh, lessons over there at Midway on Wednesday nights. They just started that, and I'm encouraged to see that, and uh, it's important because. There's so many just entertainment centers, which is entertainment centers, which has church out there on the sign of some sort. And that's all they are, social clubs, entertainment centers, uh, some blurred, some, you know, before social networking, I mean, as far as the computers go or phones, uh, there was a lot of churches and uh, you know, the, 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 the big churches where the businessmen would attend, and uh, it was an internal network, basically. Uh, and I have seen it and heard it preached against where, you know, uh, Sister So-and-so, who was a whatever level ambassador or whatever for the Avon or for the Mary Kay, you know, and go down to the church where there's a whole lot of, and just pass out the books and take the orders and everything like that. That was where they socially networked. One-stop shop. I can get all my, I can get all my, all my Avon selling or all my Mary Kay selling done down at the church house. And it goes that way with lawyers and other businessmen and where it's a sad, sad state of, sad state of affairs where and we've seen it in Madisonville, Kentucky, Hopkins County, Kentucky, Hawkins County still on the books is dry. They found a loophole around that law uh, and started voting in into the cities. The, so, so there were several cities that started getting liquor, and some of the folks that started opening up the liquor store businesses were members, fine, upstanding members down at the First Baptist Church, things like that. And so, again, it's just a social network, uh, many of these these you know churches, and they're they're getting so far away from just the basic bottom line doctrines and and uh, missionaries. Like I said, I I, I was uh, I mentioned this to Brother Hall. I can't. I think I've mentioned it here before. But when I was on deputation to try to go to Scotland, I called a church in Louisiana, and the pastor asked me if he could ask me some questions, doctrinal questions. And he just right down the line, ordinances of the church, and just simple stuff, easy stuff. 
And then when I got done answering him, he said, Brother, he said, you're the, the first one in the last 10 missionaries I've asked him questions to that's got them all right. And I'm thinking, that was easy stuff. You know, what are these other, what are these other, te- these other, mis- these other preachers um, being taught? And, um, and it's really a sad state that there's a whole lot of uh, anorexic, <laughs> anorexic Christians because they're not ground, they're not being fed and they're not grounded in the bottom line doctrine. So I appreciate these studies here. But the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is one of those doctrines that are, especially other than Baptist churches, that when I say churches in the, in the big sense, these other denominations, that's where I should say, these denominations have taken certain scriptures about the Holy Spirit and, and just, again, just one, one sentence out of the, uh, one statement out of the sentence and built whole doctrines around the Spirit and they have got, they've lifted the spirit, not saying that he is not God, but in the order, and you'll see this in this study, in the order that God has it, we serve one God. One God. Manifesting himself. This is a doctrinal statement. We serve one God who manifests, manifesting himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who are equal in all attributes and power. But it's just different manifestations of this singular God. And when we see those manifestations and how they work together, we see that the Spirit does not make much of Himself. The Spirit makes much of the Son. The Spirit points to the Son. Okay? And then, so as the Spirit points to the Son, and then the Son is believed upon, then that gives glory to the Father. <laughs> and that's the way that it works. But it's still one God. And, you know, the Trinity is another doctrine that's it's difficult to grab a hold of, but like when we was back there in the study of God, <clears throat> theology, we see, you know, in the Scriptures... And I'll just turn to one real quick. We've looked at it before, but we see the study in the scriptures, or the 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 way that the the scriptures uh, mention in creation. Well, we see the spirit in 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 the creation here in very first Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, there's the Word of God, which is the Son. It's all right there. And then, when he got over to creating man... Let's see here. Uh, us. Work has ended. Back up. I got to back up one. Or I need to turn over one because there's like a re rehearsal of, of things. One twenty six. Yes, Genesis one twenty six, and God singular 
said, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image, after our, plural, likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, so God, singular, created man. But so a singular God manifesting himself, us, in th- our, in three different persons. All right, so I got off on that. But that's, that's where people get, do get off and they make more, they, they, uh, they move the offices of God around to, uh, to put it all out of place. Let's put it that way. All right, so in seeking for a panoramic view of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, we may, be, we may best succeed by dividing the facts concerning him in two periods, pre-Pentecostal and post-Pentecostal. Pre-Pentecostal. The Holy Spirit was pre-existent as the third person of the Godhead and thus has always been active. But the period preceding Pentecost was not the time of his special activity. The Old Testament period was one of, the, of preparation and of waiting. The truths known were simple ones and came by the, uh, by the way of object lessons. There was and could be very little personal contact of man with God. Occasionally a patriarch or a prophet spoke face to face with him, but even then they did not always understand the things of which they talked. Of course, the Spirit was active in this, period, in this period, but the number of times he was mentioned in the Old Testament as contrasted with the number of times in the New show us the marked difference in his manifestations. I'm sorry, his ministrations. He is spoken of 88 times in the Old Testament and more than half as many times in the book of Acts alone. In the entire New Testament, he is mentioned more than three times for every reference of him in the Old Testament. All right, so he was limited as far as not power, but just limited in what he did, his activities in the Old Testament. And we're going to see a little bit of this in just a moment. During this period, the same came upon men. Not in men, came upon men. Yes, so think of... Think of Samson as a good example of that. The Spirit of God moved Samson. The Spirit of God moved Samson. So there was times that the Spirit of God come upon Samson, and Samson did those great and mighty acts. But the Spirit of God was not on him or in him all the time, just moved upon him. So a period came upon men temporarily only to inspire them for special service and left them when the particular task was ended He did not usually abide with them or dwell in them. That's all pre-Pentecostal. Post-Pentecostal. This period which extends from Pentecost to the present day may truly be termed as the dispensation of the Spirit. As in the Old Testament, God appeared to men and during the earth life of Christ dwelt with men. So after Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in men. So appeared to men, dwelt with men, and now dwells in men. He comes to abide. 
Let's see who says this. Uh, Mr. O'Rear, whoever that is. Quote, <laughs> not the one down in the parlor. There is a very real sense in which the Holy Ghost is incarnate in the church even as Christ was incarnate in the human body of Jesus of Nazareth. Of course, this must not be pressed too far. There is a point of the most emphatic difference. In the case of Jesus, there was deity united with unfallen humanity. The Holy Spirit's union with the church is the presence of God in fallen humanity. It's hard to grab a hold of, but he says he's in us, and we have that indwelling. So Pentecost marked the dawning of a new day in, in this Holy Spirit's relation to mankind. He came to inhabit the church. All the effectual work which the church has done has been wrought in the power of the Spirit. Unbelief, doubt, and criticism may attack it, but not overwhelm it. The church, the true body of Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, is as indestructible as the throne of God. And let me just... I mean, he doesn't have any scripture reference there, but let's just go and get that scripture reference. <clears throat> In Matthew there. Oh. Hmm. I know I'm overlooking it, I think. There we go. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, let's pick it up in verse 13. <clears throat> when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Here it is. When, 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 uh, when Mr. Bancroft used said that the church, the true body of Christ indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God is as indestructible as the throne of God, here's some Bible for it. <laughs> and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. All right, so he is building his church. Now, again, even among independent Baptist churches, fundamental Baptist churches, we kind of worked on some of those terminologies. Semantics. I love it. Anyway. There are some good preachers that I know. They'll give you something. They're good preachers. Got good churches. Solid churches. But they're, as far as when the church was established, they're a little wrong. <laughs> there are some churches that hold that the church was established at Pentecost. You know, and then we <laughs> believe church, the church was established in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
upon this cross, I, uh, upon this rock, I will build my church. He built it upon, while he was walking among the disciples, he was building his church. But on Pentecost, and we, we heard it in, in uh, the Sunday school when Brother Glenn was there in Acts, he empowered the church at Pentecost. He built it, he established it, he formed it, he put it all together while he was here with it. Right. <laughs> That's right. Just like the body of a man. There was a body formed, and then he breathed life into it. The same with the church. There was a body formed, and he breathed life into it on the day of Pentecost. And again, there's where the Holy Spirit's, he said, you go and you wait. I'm going to send, a, my Father will send the Comforter. But he's not going to send him until I'm gone. And so we see that he was raised up there at the beginning of Acts, taken up. <laughs> they went in and they waited, just like he said. And at the appointed time, the Spirit of God came and empowered the church. So there's that. Now. <laughs> Right. That's good. That's good. That's good. Amen. Mm. <clears throat> Really good. All right. <clears throat> I just throw. I'm trying to keep it together. All right. So the nature, here's the big A. This is the beginning of the outline. <clears throat> the nature of the Holy Spirit. And then one, big one underneath it. Roman numeral one. Personality of the Holy Spirit. So the meaning of the personality of the Holy Spirit. By the personality of the Holy Spirit, it is meant that he possesses or contains in himself the elements of personal existence as contrasted with impersonal existence or animal life. It is difficult to define personality when used of, when used of the divine being. <clears throat> God cannot be measured by human standards. God was not made in the image of man, but man in the image of God. God is not a, a deified man. Man is rather a limited God, little g. And then he, he references Psalm 8 and verse 5. I know sometimes you got to think on and chew on the way that some of these writers write, but... Again, we are made in the image of God. So Psalm 8, 5. <clears throat> For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Let's back up. Because the question is, what is man? In verse 4, let's go to verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, 
the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Question mark. Have you ever asked yourself, or I mean, and like I talked about, there's times that I'm just alone and I'm out in a place where I'm just looking at the Milky Way and realize how finite that I am in the vastness of the universe. And then, then I have done some things and been places in my life Looking back at Five Point, that's the neighborhood I grew up in. <laughs> five Points in Maryville, Tennessee. And the little old house that I grew up in and just the the family, the dysfunctional family I grew up in. There is no way that I should have been able to be in places that I should have been. I'm telling you. And I just look back going, why, how? The the people that I have come across. I know. And, and then to, 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 to just ask myself just kind of like this, to, like the psalmist here, what is man that thou art mindful of him? That's man in, in general, but I bring that down to me. Oft times, who, who am I, Lord? Like Rusty Goodman saying, <laughs> Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? You know? Who am I that he would say, Not my will thine for? The answer I may never know. Why he ever loved me so, That to an old rugged cross he'd go. Or who am I? He did that for me. Woo! <laughs> he did it for all of us, but he did it for me. And when you bring it down on that personal level, it gets real. I'm just telling you. So the psalmist says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made his... Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He put man in the garden and gave man dominion over the earth. Made us a little lower than the angels. Hard to fathom. <laughs> Made in his image. All right. <laughs> really hard to wrap your mind around. All right. So, <clears throat> personality. Only God has perfect personality. Personality may be said to exist when there is, when there is found united in a single combination, intelligence, emotion, and volition, or self-consciousness and self-determination. When a being possesses the attributes, properties, and qualities of personality, then personality may be unquestionably predicated. 
As suggested under the doctrine of the Trinity, the term person, when applied to the members of the Trinity, is to be used in a qualified or limited sense, referring to personal distinctions rather than to separate organisms as when used of men. All right, so remember that. Let me read that again because we talked about the Trinity just briefly a second ago. As suggested under the doctrine of the Trinity, the term person, so we, he's manifested himself in three persons, okay? But when we say in that doctrinal statement he manifests himself in three persons, we've got to be very careful in that person and personality to, to remember that when applied to the members of the Trinity, it is to be used in a qualified or limited sense referring to personal distinctions rather than separate organisms when used of men. So just distinctions and not organisms. Because there's where people get off on the Trinity. They want to make them separate personages in organisms. But it's just, it's not that way. It is personal distinctions. So one God who distinguishes himself. That's another way of putting it. Instead of manifested himself, we could say he distinguished himself as God the Father, as God the Son, and as God the Holy Spirit in, in, uh, in helping us to understand him, himself and really understand us because we're made in his image. Oh, I'm not going to get too far. So, let's see here. The proof of it. I don't know how many... We'll get just started on the proof. The proof of the personality of the Holy Spirit. Here it is. The necessity for proofs. Like I said, we're not going to get... Eh, we'll, we'll go seven or eight more minutes here, try to end up here. But here, the necessity for proof. It is a matter of historical record that the personality of the Holy Spirit has been disputed and denied, while the Scriptures furnish no ground for such disputation or denial. There are some possible explanations of the manner in which these errors of interpretation arose. It may have been A, because as contrasted with the other persons of the Godhead, the Spirit seems impersonal. And then, who wrote this? Mr. Evans says, Various manifestations of God the Father make it comparatively easy to conceive of His fatherhood in terms of personality. The incarnation makes it almost, if not altogether impossible, to disbelieve in the personality of Jesus Christ. But the acts and workings of the Holy Spirit are so secret and mystical, so much is said of His influence, grace, power, and gifts, that we are prone to think of Him as an influence, a power, a manifestation, or emanation of the divine nature rather than as a person. Yes, sir. I think, I think that's a good point. I know you right, right. That I think that's why the uh, people took it over to English. They put the Bible into English. Oh yes. I think that's why they use the word ghost in the New Testament. Right. Right. Uh, uh, personality. Right. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, you find the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. Right. And you don't find that in the Old Testament. No. No. Right. That would be more than just an emotion, or like I said, or more than just, more than just a, um, uh, what's it used here? An emanation or a manifestation, an influence. Yeah, so an internal influence, like I said, by putting the ghost on there. But see, you know, they're, just like when they seen Christ walking out there on the sea, they, they thought that he was a spirit, or, you know, and so uh, they're, a uh, ghost would have a a um, a form, if you will, and not just an internal working of an influence. We we have to understand him as a person, because it's hard to wrap our minds in our in our humanity around the person of a, the Holy Spirit. Then there's where some of these um, some of these. Uh, errors, there we go, of interpretation have has arisen. All right, so B, so um, because it is contrasted with, as A, with other persons of the Godhead, the Spirit seems impersonal, and B, because of the names and symbols used, we're probably going to get into what he just said, names and symbols of, uh, used of the Holy Spirit, which are suggestive of the impersonal, such as breath, wind, Power, fire, oil, and water. All right, and then we're going to just let's hit these couple of references here, and then that's a good place to stop. All right, so let's look at it. John 3. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. We kind of see this. We know this. He's talking to Nicodemus here. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Here it is, the wind. Bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot, canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon them, upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So, uh, again... Because these uh, these names and symbols used of the Spirit sometimes again causes us to not think of Him as a person and a personage, but He is. But in this, we see how He works. I there that I was just about to say it. 
one of those preachers that I know that I mentioned <laughs> that doesn't believe that the, uh, that the church wasn't started until Pentecost just about called his name. Um, he taught in our Bible Institute at Island Ford, and he taught the book of John, rich. I mean, John is like his book, really rich. And I remember I've got the outline somewhere, probably like there. Still got it. I've been a long time. Um, but he, he preached a message on the wonder of the wind here out of John chapter 3. And it's talking about the Holy Spirit and that new birth. You know, and the fact that <laughs> Moses seen the hinder parts of God. Jesus manifested himself as God in the flesh. People held him. People laid their head in his bosom. People handled him. But the Spirit's different. He's still God. But bodily, again, we can't grasp a hold of it. And then in his workings, just like John chapter 3, the wonder of the wind. And he, he just goes through the aspects of the wind. Speaking of wind, it's coming in tonight. About 9 o'clock. Yeah, it's coming in tonight about 9 o'clock. Some heavy, heavy winds going to drop the temperature down. But these winds are coming, and they're saying about 38 knots is what they're averaging, 35 to 50, but 38 is what they're, at least here at Tinker. And it's going to last from 9 o'clock tonight, a wind watch here at Tinker, from 9 o'clock tonight till 6 o'clock on the 13th. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be windy. But in the fact that you can't see the wind, you can't control the wind. You know, and so he was going through all that. You can feel, you can see the man, you can see the the evidence of the wind that the wind's been there. You can see, you know, but you, you and you can feel the wind, but you can't direct the wind. It blows where it listeth. It comes where it's wanting to come from. It goes where it's wanting to go to, and then it can change directions at any given time. And that's the way the Spirit of God moves. When I was born again. Or rewind, I have been in services where I was the one being dealt with by the Holy Spirit and all my other teenage friends sitting on the pews were not dealt with. The, the wind affected me. The Spirit affected me. And on the other sense of that, I've been in services where I can see a friend of mine or another person in the church house being dealt with. You know the Spirit is speaking to them. The wind blows where it listeth. It blowed in their direction that day. It dealt with their sin that day. It drawed them to the sun that day. Not me, them. So again, just like the wind blows where it listeth, you, you, you're not going to harness the wind. You can still feel the effects of the wind. <laughs> but, but the wind is mysterious in that. And, and so when Jesus in John chapter 3 was attributing the Spirit of God moving in the new birth, 
then he, he, he uh, relates it to the wind. And it's a really good message, really good outline, and a good thought there to, to maybe just pick up and consider the wind on your own. And then consider, you know, in application how the Spirit of God moves. And so we see that. So there are some erroneous teachings of the interpretation of the Spirit because the way that people look, they, don't, they fail to see Him as a person. And it's because of maybe some of these terms that are used, I won't say for, but about the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's grab two more. See further, John chapter 20. John 20, verse 22. Uh, let's back up to 21. Jesus, and then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So there's the breath. And then 1 John 2, First John 2 and verse number 20. Uh-huh. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. So that was, talking about that, that uh, um, yeah. What is the, oh, where is that? Uh, no, I'm talking about the manifestation or the influence, that word unction would be influence, drawing you or moving you. So because of the influence, the drawing, there's another one we could look at. Uh, conviction we use and those, those words that we use for how he operates, we have a tendency to not see him as a person. We see him as an influence or a power or a manifestation or an emanation. We don't see him as a person, but he is a person. So there are some, like I said, some, some of the ways that people see him can be understood why they see him not as a person, maybe because of the way that these words are used about how he operates. And there's others here, Ephesians 5, 18, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, and John 7, 38 and 39. All right, so I'm just going to, that was A and B. We'll pick it up with C next week and uh, get right on, again, continuing on the proof of the personality of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we'll pick it up next week, all right?